Welcome back to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource you towards growth in all areas of your life, spiritual, personal, and professional. We seek to do this through the Catholic Women's Masterclass, our online courses, our live virtual Catholic Women's Summits, and The Genius Podcast, as well as our Catholic coaching programs for women. If you're interested in learning about any of these initiatives, can I invite you to visit our website www.geniusproject.co or send me an email at karen at geniusproject.co. Ladies, if you're on social media, we'd love you to come and join us on Instagram, genius underscore project underscore daily, on Facebook, or subscribe to the Genius Project YouTube channel. Ladies, I want to do one more shout out for the Catholic Women's Masterclass. We are signing women up. We're about to start week after next for this incredible four-month journey of transformation. This will be the last group that I'll be taking through the Masterclass this year. This masterclass is very much a deep dive in laying some foundations to help you get off the sidelines of your own life and become an active participant in your life. We are all called to co-create our lives with the Lord and the masterclass is one of the ways in which you can do that. So ladies, if you're feeling stuck, if you're battling some mindsets which are really holding you back, limiting beliefs and just stuck in a rut, can I invite you to check out the Genius Project Catholic Women's Masterclass? You can find out more on our website, www.geniusproject.co on the Masterclass page. Joining me on this week's episode of the Genius Podcast is the very beautiful and spirit-filled Jessica Doherty. I connected with Jess a number of years ago as a guest on her podcast, the Universal Sisterhood Podcast. And we have connected many times over the last few years, and I'm a big fan of what she's doing. So I'll let her introduce herself and her background to you. But ladies, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how we can move from, I guess, a head understanding of God the Father to an experience of Him in our heart and starting to live our faith in a way that's really spirit-led and spirit-filled. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jessica. Well, Jess, welcome to the Genius Podcast. It's wonderful to have you joining us. You're in Sydney, and I don't know what the weather is up there today, but it's bucketing down here in Canberra. Oh, really? No, it's it's cold, but not. we have sunshine, which is Beautiful. very rare. Oh, <laughs> I know. At the moment it is, isn't it? I feel like it's been such a gloomy, heavy winter, which is never been ending. A pretty, we didn't even get summer. No. So. We're looking forward. But look, welcome. We have been chasing, trying to schedule this in, and both you and I are very busy ladies. So we've finally, finally done it. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm wondering, we're going to have a, a great conversation today about your personal journey of coming to a revelation, I guess, of being the beloved daughter of God and, and your personal journey. But before we dive into that, would you share a little bit about your background and what you're doing and how you came to be where you are today? Sure. I am a wife to one and a mother to six, beautiful children ranging from 22 down to eight. I have one here at home today because he has a dental appointment, so okay. you might hear him. I've told him to be quiet, but he's here. <laughs> um, I live in the foothills of the Blue Mountains in New South Wales, just outside of Sydney. Um, I'm a teacher, a primary school teacher. I'm a podcaster. 
I am a, I work for the Diocese of Sydney, the Archdiocese of Sydney. Um, Beautiful. That's well, me. thank you. I think we connected many years ago. I can't even remember. It was way pre-pandemic, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think when it was. I know your sister came along to one of our sisterhood yeah. Catholic women's conferences, and I think you came along to one of the retreat days as well. Yeah, was, I met you at Parramatta. That's right, and it was lovely to connect. I know your sister Olivia is just, she's very artistic and creative, and I, I loved meeting her at the conference. But both of you have been such a gift and a joy to get to know and looking forward to that in the journey ahead. Yeah. She, she, she's the creative one and I'm not. <laughs> oh, I think, well, I challenge anyone that says that. I actually read a quote once that said, we're all called to co-create with the Lord and it just depends on what your creativities are. So some are in the She arts. creates with her hands. She does. <laughs> she's, she's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to get her on the podcast and, and talk a little bit about that. Jess, I'm wondering if you'd share with us your personal testimony because I know you shared it with me a couple of years ago and it was such a powerful I guess the revelation you had of this awakening to the Holy Spirit in your life and this idea that God is a loving father. I'm wondering if you can take us back to your journey as a child through to where you are today and, and just that mm -hmm. course and that journey of revelation. Sure. Well, I grew up in a, um, a Catholic family. I was a cradle Catholic. So my father was not a Catholic. Um, he grew up in a Protestant home a very wealthy Protestant home. My mum came from a very middle-class Catholic family. Um, so uh, the funny thing is my dad, when he went on his first date with my mum, he turns up at their uh, door and he walks straight past my grandfather who was raking leaves in, on the, in the garden and he knocked on the door and my mum answered and as they were leaving, she he said, oh, is that your gardener? And mum said, no, that's actually my father. My dad. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. So they came from very different backgrounds. Yes. But dad was drawn to something in mum and it was her faith. Um, he, he is an alcoholic, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. He hasn't drunk since I was born. But um, so there was, a, there was a time in their marriage and life that was very difficult and my dad, my mum stood by him. Um, she put up with a lot and she offered up a lot. And her faith um, is what brought him out of his um, addiction. Wow. And it's what keeps him um, where he is today. He's a beautiful uh, grandfather to 15 children. He's a father to five. And he is a very, very devoted husband. Wow. Um, so I saw faith. Um, as something that was very worthwhile growing mm. up. I had very good um, catechesis. I knew my catechism very well. Um, I went to Mass every Sunday. We often, not often, but we would pray the rosary together, um, my mom and some of my sisters. Yeah. Uh, not often, but we, we, you know, we saw the value in that. I went to a school that taught um, really their faith was was very well taught. Um, mm. So I wasn't lacking in anything like that. But as I grew, as I, you know, got older, my faith was more out of not ritual because I did have a very strong faith, but it, it was all cerebral. It was a faith that was very intellectual 
And um, uh, yeah, I knew my faith. I subsequently have heard that the longest journey that you're ever going to make in your faith life is the journey from your head to your heart. Yes. And I, that journey took me a very long time. Um, but it was a beautiful journey. Um, yeah. I never not gave up on my faith, but I yes. didn't have a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. Nor, nor the saints, nor Our Lady. I, well, Our Lady I, I had more of a relationship with. Okay. She was what, she was what um, held my hand, I think. I see that now. Mm. As, as St. Maximilian Colby says, you can never love um, Our Lady enough because um, she will only ever bring you to her son. Her and son. That I love that quote. Yeah. So it was very, I guess you you had this textbook Catholic faith. You could answer all the questions about the doctrine and the teachings of the church. But how did you actually come to a place? Like how many years did that take for you for that journey from your head to your heart where it finally really dropped for you? Mm. Um, it, it was, I see it now as it was a very gentle, slow process. Um, and it was it was all the time like he never he you're never alone on that spiritual journey yes. um you only see that in hindsight um but i think there were many moments but beauty is what captivated my heart is it yeah so there's the, the how many trends yeah are there transcendentals truth beauty and goodness beauty and goodness yes yeah and and I had truth. Yes. I had truth. I um, There was goodness there, but beauty hadn't, hadn't captured my heart yet. Okay. Um, and I think uh, just recently, actually, I heard a priest say in a homily that the um, home of the gospel is the heart, not the head. Yes, absolutely. And, and um, I think, you know, Proverbs talks about guard your heart above all things because out of it all the issues of life will flow mm. we forget that don't we mm. that there's this totally. reservoir this is like where the lord dwells within us in our soul in our heart yeah. and yeah yes yeah and and our heart our heart is is a door is, is a garden i should mm. say and the door to that is faith yes so my the door was there but it was covered in so many weeds, which were to-do lists, you know, check off, tick off boxes. Um, there was no, there was more, it wasn't, it didn't flow out of a, a relationship. It flew, it came from a place of not fear, but. Um, Ob obligation? Or yeah, and perfectionism, wanting to do yes. it right. Yes. Because Catholics can get caught up, can't we, in this idea. I mean, there's scruples and this idea that we have to get it right and mm. we should, should, you know, the shoulda, woulda, coulda mentality yeah. that we're never quite doing enough. But the Lord is so gentle with us, isn't he? He's, oh. he's not this angry sort of God in heaven no. waiting for and us. And I did see him that. as that. I did yeah. see him as somebody waiting for me to stuff up, waiting, you know, to, to, you know, oh, you did that wrong. You did that, you know, that was okay, not bad, but, oh, you, you know. 
And it wasn't, I didn't know his heart. I didn't know him. Yeah. Um, and it, it was, I went to a funeral of a girl, a woman I went to school with, her daughter died, mm. tragically died. And I went to the funeral. I hadn't seen this friend from school for years, but um, I went to the funeral and it was in the public school hall of this little girl. Um, God was not mentioned once. There was not, there was some secular celebrant overseeing the funeral. Yeah. We did not pray for this family. We didn't pray for the little girl. And I, my heart was broken. Like I was totally devastated for not only the little girl that we didn't pray for or the grieving family left behind, but I mourned their um, the death of their faith, the, the, the loss of faith. Yeah. And I couldn't understand how, like this woman had the same faith upbringing as I did. We both went to the same school. We both learned the same catechism questions. Um, and I, like, how can you give away truth? Mm. I just couldn't understand it. Um, and so that was one one aspect, one one little moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, um, at the same time, I was seeing all these these women in the states, who I've now become really lovely friends with, who were on fire with the Holy Spirit, and they didn't have the upbringing that I had, um, but they were on fire. And I'm thinking, how how can you, you know, not have the the basics? and be on fire and then have the basics and give it all away. Mm. Um, so these things were playing on in my head. And then um, I started to um, see beauty, like real beauty, like captivating sunsets and just my heart would ache. There was that real aching um, knowing that this actually was God like the he, I used to I started to see his fingerprints all over the place in nature yes um just like I think of that childness like that wonder was starting to um I was allowing wonder to 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 fill me yeah. yeah yeah it's a beautiful moment isn't it I, I think we talk about play and recreation and the gift of that. And what happens is it draws us really beyond ourselves into this childlike space. Yeah. And that's really what the Lord says. He says you can't encounter the Lord as an adult in a sense that we have to go back to being a child. And mm. it's that childlike dependence, that childlike wonder and awe and joy mm. that I think is very much an avenue, like you're saying, that captivated you and, and drew you back to the Lord, which yeah. is beautiful. And I think when you have it all up here, you lose that child, that wonder. Like yes. you don't, you don't, you haven't been able to use that muscle. You haven't developed. Well, I hadn't anyway. Yes. And um, maybe, yeah. Did you find it made you more compassionate? I think my experience has been sometimes mm -hmm. there are some people who you encounter who are who are Catholic and they're very rigid in, I guess, the rules and the regulations, but that love and that mercy is lacking 
in them that they've but did you feel that when you started to have this awakening of wonder and and discovering beauty that it also softened your heart and made you more compassionate would that yeah yeah it made me it made me um more childlike yeah. and that that gave me compassion mm. because i was seeing i could see them in their that they lacked childlikeness which is I felt sorry for them. It gave me empathy. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah. And I think what I've observed in, in some women is that when they do fall into this childlike wonder, joy and experience, I guess then they you can see people in the fullness of who they are and accepting them as well. I think that's another byproduct that mm. sometimes when we're very heady, we can become very rigid and that rigidity can lead to judgment um, and to criticism and to competition. But I yeah. think when you fall back into that wonder and that childlike abandonment to God, there is a sense of accepting yourself as being loved. And then with that acceptance and the love you experience, you can then love others. Totally. Did you experience yeah. that as well? Yeah. And I think having, um, because I had six children, I had, I have six children, yes. but um, when you're in that fog, it's just go, go, go. Yeah, it is. And um, exhaustion. But when you can set, you know, I used to see in them, they would love, you know, they'd pick up a, a weed from the garden and bring it to me and say, here, mum, here's a beautiful flower. And that you'd say, well, that's what how I should be like with others. Like I should see their gifts as like they're so excited and they they think it's beautiful, um, but it is just a weed. But I love it, so I should. And that's how God sees me. Like I bring Him weeds, and He loves them. Yes. Um, so I should be like that with others. I should be like that with my children. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I, I think we can learn so much from children, can't we, in terms mm. of how the Lord actually loves us. And coming back to something you picked up on, you said that you had this perception of God the Father as someone who was angry, who was pointing the finger and judging and wanting you to live up to possibly unrealistic expectations. Can you take us back to, I guess you've described a couple of moments, but was there a one profound moment that you had when you really did encounter his love and his mercy in a compassionate, loving way, as opposed to the father who was really judgmental and waiting you for you to mess up? Um, well, yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty. There always is. <laughs> so share a few. <laughs> okay. So um, I remember um, just being... We, my husband, his love language is um, quality time and um, he loves going away. So he's always, um, I know I know this sounds really decadent and um, um, extravagant, but he takes me away probably three times a year. But for me, it's fine for him because he can just pack, throw his things yes. in and and go I have to organize the household and six children six children I have to make the meals I have to organize who's going where and it is it's a lot of work yeah but once I'm you know so it does sound like I'm I'm a whinger but um it takes a lot of preparation on my heart part to get away yes 
Anyway, so he came home one night and he said, oh, I've booked us tickets to go to Uluru. So if you're Australian, you know Uluru is in the centre of Australia, the heart of Australia. And I was, um, I had no desire to go there. I was thinking, (laughs) okay, I wouldn't mind a beach or, you know, tropical (laughs) holiday. There? Okay, yeah. (laughs) So I said, okay, no, no worries. That's When are we going? two weeks I thought, oh, oh my okay. goodness <laughs> all right so I, my heart wasn't um I wasn't overjoyed I know that sounds really spoiled I'm sorry but wait the, the story gets better Excellent. I promise there is <laughs> it's all good <laughs> I feel I feel your pain I understand <laughs> yeah um anyway so everything was organized and we touched down in Uluru and as the plane have you ever been no I haven't actually but, so it's in in the middle of nowhere, literally. And the, as the plane touches down, it fly. You can see Airs Rock Uluru out the window. And I looked out the window, and I just thought, "Wow, that is impressive." Yeah. I got out of the plane, and I just there was this real feeling of the Holy Spirit. I could just, I just felt different. Mm. Anyway, I thought, hmm, maybe I'm going to like it here. Um, and we um, we went, the, the main objection, objective was that um, he wanted to climb as rock before they closed it. Well, he okay. wanted me to. He had already done it um, as a kid. And, um, and I had no desire to do this. <laughs> None. <laughs> Um, anyway, so we first day we drove to Ayers Rock and people were climbing it. And I said, well, they're climbing because the, the Aboriginal elder has to say whether or not you can climb it that day. Okay. And they were cli- I said, well, should we go now? Like it's, it's open. And he said, no, no, it'll be open. We've got four days. It'll be open. Um, so we just walked around it. And as we were walking around it, I looked at it and I said, oh, my goodness, that looks like it reminds me. I know this sounds really weird, but these words came out of my mouth. It reminds me of the Sistine Chapel, the picture of Michelangelo where the, um, you know, God is touching man and it's in the shape of a brain. And I even took a photo of it and sent it to my sister. Um, and I said, this place is really spiritual, like I feel really connected. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, that was that day. Then so we had went early the next morning um, to climb it because he wanted to climb it at dawn and the elder said no. So we didn't climb it that day. We did something else. We went the next day. No, couldn't climb it. Um, so we went to the Olgas, which is, um, I now know it was the Tunnel of Winds. So is the Holy Spirit represented as the wind? Yes. 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 And we walked into these Olgas and the wind was just rushing through. And I said, oh, my gosh, this place is, like, incredible. Like, I, I was physically shaking. Anyway, I turned around and I looked up and there are these enormous rocks red red rocks this beautiful um blue sky and the moon and the moon was just looking at me and I looked up and I thought I knew at that moment that I was really 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 small 
but God saw me. Mm-hmm. I just had this absolute, no shadow of a doubt that God saw me, he knew me and he loved me. And it came out of absolutely nowhere. Like I wasn't. So unexpected. Totally. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, I am known to the very core. Like God knows who I am. He actually even knows my name. And that concept of that personal relationship, like he knew, he knows me. He knows my name. He knows my fears and my doubts and he knows my joys and my sorrows. I knew it at that moment that he he knew me, he saw me for who I was and he loved me. Mm, and it was, it was, I just walked out of there like, I think I cried. <laughs> my <laughs> husband's totally unaware, totally oblivious. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, golly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that was the that was one moment. Yeah. And then um the next day, and then it was just so beautiful. Like the beauty just pierced my heart. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to see the fingerprints of God everywhere. His little love notes of sunsets and the flowers and the intricacy of it didn't matter what it was. I was like this little kid that was yeah. just in a lolly shop of nature I'm thinking oh I know it sounds ridiculous but I was really like take I was smitten I knew he loved me and that was it I was I was all years wow how many years ago was that experience Mm, uh, about five five six five or six but leading up to that there were so many so many different things and there's this um, gradual softening of our hearts, isn't there? Like the Lord uses different experiences and words from other people or, you know, he works in the circumstances of our life to gently soften us for that mm. that revelation of his mm. His immense love. And it's immense. Like I, I think. Totally. And, and that, yeah. the grandeur of those rocks showed me and, and the fact that the moon was so far away, like the enormity of his love. Like I was we every person is so insignificant but not we are so significant like there's that yeah Yeah. did that change the way then you started to live your faith totally totally I um so I the next day we got to climb the rock fantastic um so that was that was the actual yeah the Holy Spirit. So I was walking the rock. It's like a kilometre up in the air. It's 987 metres tall. And there are no, there's a flimsy little chain and there are no barricades or anything. And I am frightened of heights. Oh, gosh. So how did you go? <laughs> uh, anyway, I was quite fit back then. So the, the the physicality of it was not a problem. I could do that. Um, it was this, this the sheer um, height of it. And I was going up and it kind of undulates. And we got to the what I thought was the top but wasn't the top. It was just the top of one section. And I couldn't see my husband. I didn't know where he was. There weren't many people up there. 
Um, I think there were three others that I could see because it is so vast. Mm. And um, the rock, I felt like I was slipping. I was starting to slip and I felt sick. And so I got down on the rock because I thought I was this mm. that was it I was it was over my experience yesterday he loved me and he's taking me up <laughs> that was short-lived <laughs> uh, yeah that's it oh well um anyway I got down on the rock because I thought I can't go any further like I'm I am literally going to slip off this rock mm. and um I was shaking I'm down on the rock holding it and the words um I I can't even tell you, I give you a Bible verse because I'm that bad at it. But I, um, without me, you can do nothing, but with me, you can do everything. Yes. And those words just came, I actually audibly said them out loud and they came from nowhere. Wow. And I physically got up and ran the rest of the way to the top of the rock. I ran past my husband. I said, come on. (laughs) I was just, he I felt totally empowered and I felt I knew that whatever he throws at me from now on in, um, with him I can do it, but without him I, I, can't, I can't even move on a rock. Yeah, what a powerful revelation. Yeah, totally. And so from then I started a podcast. I uh, went on to this retreat in the States, which really opened my heart to yes. um how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, right, oh, that sort of that moment, that retreat absolutely. was pivotal. With- and he was never a part of my life really. There was God the Father and Jesus. Yes. But the Holy Spirit really didn't play much of a, a role in my faith yes. until then. Yes. Yeah, how beautiful. And so you had this encounter of the Holy Spirit and I know that you've said this in the past, but that really brought you fanned the flames, I guess, that the Lord had started to ignite in your soul yeah. Yeah. for him. Yeah. There were these little um little tiny sparks in the in the weather beaten cracks of my heart and he just blew on them and yeah. um and he does that, doesn't he? Like mm-hmm. I think sometimes as women we can have had experiences, whether they're through our own choices or the choices of others, and we can feel so broken and so damaged. Mm-hmm. We feel beyond repair in many parts. I, I know many of the women that I walk with do feel that, and it, it's mm-hmm. real. And and when we have that mindset, it really shapes how we're showing up in our prayer life, how we show up for others and ourselves. But the Holy Spirit, I love watching you share because there's this, there's just a joy that's radiating from somewhere really deep within you because the Lord's done this work of restoration. Yeah, and he does it. We just have to say, we just have to give the smallest yes. Yeah. Just We just have to open that door of our heart a tiny bit and he will do the rest. Like, And never be afraid of what the Holy Spirit wants to do with your heart especially the heart of women because look what he look what the heart of a 14 year old woman has done girl has done to the whole of mankind that's right through a simple yes yeah so never be and that's one don't be afraid of him he will never hurt you he is a gentleman and he 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 doesn't force himself on you he doesn't make you he just 
offers and and it's up to us to say yes yeah and And he will continue to offer even if you keep saying no (laughs) yes that's right he does and he's he is very gentle I think you know you shared about this image of God the father is this angry God waiting for you to mess up waiting to punish you what what's your perception of him now how do you perceive oh he's so tender he is so kind he is so um generous he's so humble oh man I I'll share this one story I'll probably I cry a lot so don't mind me but I um (laughs) I I was fell pregnant a few years ago I was 40 I don't know 44 40 43 and 44 and I was like oh my god what are you doing like I I'm, I'm hurtling towards 50. Why are you giving me a child now? Anyway, I remember swimming. Um, I was doing laps at our local pool and I had my goggles on and I was just going for it, bawling my eyes out, doing laps in the pool, saying like, I don't know, I don't know why, but I trust you. And he said he spoke so gently and clearly to my heart and he said, I only ever give good gifts. My mm. gifts are only good. And so there I am falling even more, thinking, oh, my God, this is a good gift. Like if it's from him, it's a gift and it's good. So don't worry. Yes. And there, I mean, I, every day I have to keep telling myself, don't worry about this, that and the other. It is good. Yes. But we have to, we have to change our perception of, of goodness. Yeah, it's from him it's good so where is the goodness look for it you'll find it yes I think that's so easy that there's such a temptation isn't there when we're going through a difficult season to focus on the negative and the question Mm -hmm. of why why is this happening but I think that mindset shift is so important to just focus on the nature and the goodness of God Mm -hmm. and I think a couple of scriptures come to mind as you're speaking that in Romans, you know, all things work for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So no matter what women have been through or going through, the Lord can turn that around, um, resurrect that and transform it all into things. something good and beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And he's always doing a new thing. Mm. Always. I think some, sometimes I used to think when I was younger, you have this trajectory of how you think life will go. And you think it's up and up and up and then it will just even out and life won't have any more dramas. And you reach post 40, don't you? And it's just full of these peaks and troughs. And it's learning to ride those waves, I guess, with I, I have found with the spirit of God because he really helps to carry you through the difficult seasons and I guess bring growth and bring something beautiful, cause you to grow into the fullness of who he wants you to be through those experiences. Yeah. And I think life becomes um, an adventure. I know that sounds really cliche, but with him, you can ride those waves. I remember years ago when I, um, we were in the, at the Great Barrier Reef and um, we went out snorkeling. We went to the outer reef and some of my kids didn't want, you know, it was scary, didn't want to get out of the boat. Um, and some were jumping in and, oh, my goodness, it's amazing. And I had some of the little ones and they go, I don't want to go in. And I, I was 
putting myself in their shoes and I was thinking, yeah, I wouldn't either. Like looking out, there's this vastness of ocean that looked quite daunting and um, the same. Mm. And then one of the one of the guys on the boat said, oh, here, I've got these kind of periscope things that the kids can, they don't have to go in the water. They can lean over the side of the boat and look down and see what's below them. And I thought, oh, I don't think that will help. Anyway, he said, no, no, let them have a go. So the kids are there leaning over the boat, looking into these um, periscope type things. Yeah. And all of a sudden the the world underneath opened up to them and there was colourful fish and coral and the sunlight was coming through and it was just beautiful and they wanted to dive in. Mm. And I think that's kind of like life. Like yes. we don't, we're too frightened of what we can't see or of the mundane or of, you know, this never-ending sea of life. But if we have God, if he is like that periscope, he allows us to see the beauty of what could seem fearful, what could seem mundane, what does seem, you know, mm. um, dry. He, he he opens it up like like diving into the water. You see things that you never knew existed. Yeah. And that makes life much more enjoyable. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Point, and when you realize that you like are you you've said this a couple of times that like you are not alone. Mm. Like you are not alone. Like the Lord does see you. And his heart, and it would be worth just talking around this idea of what is the heart of God? What does that look like for women? Because if you've grown up in a rigid home or if you have a perception of God as this angry, distant father, it's so far from who he actually is. But what is the nature of God? I mean, I think when I think about that, I think mercy, mm. that his nature is merciful. But your experience, I'm interested in. How would you um, describe him? Love. <laughs> there's that. There's that beautiful um, image of our, which I'm using for our, our retreat flyers, um, of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. He just stands mm -hmm. and knocks. Yes. He doesn't burst. He doesn't bang on the door. He doesn't burst it open. But there's this. I saw it the other day for the first time. There's an image of, um, I think it's called Christ the Light Holder. I can't, I'm not 100% sure, but he's standing there with a lantern at a door and it is covered in weeds and thorns and, and flowers, but overgrown. And he's just standing there. And I thought, oh, that's my heart. <laughs> you know, he stands and he is tender. And he is mercy, um, and he is he is a gentleman. Like he, oh, as I said, he's he will just wait for us to open it. He's just patient. He's yes. so patient. Yes. I mean, that's, I just see him. Oh, I love him. He's so good to me. Yeah, yeah. What a journey, Jess. It's beautiful. Such he's a... so kind. <laughs> he's so kind. Like all the times I've stuffed up. Um, and I thought he was there pointing the finger. He was actually there with with such love. I remember hearing a story of, you know, when you see 
a little kid fall over. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of mulling along, awkwardly walking, can't keep up, tripping over, and they fall over. And the parent doesn't just keep walking. They turn yeah. around, they run to that little child, and they pick them up and they dust them off. And he's just like that with us. Mm. Yeah. Tender. Tender is probably the word I would use. <laughs> Yeah, beautiful. Oh, such a beautiful journey. I'm wondering, Jess, if you can share with us, you mentioned that, I guess, different things like relationship with your late, the late Blessed Mother, um, the saints came alive for you in a different way. Can you share with us maybe a couple of your favourite saints mm -hmm. and what draws you to them? Well, Our Lady, definitely. I've always, Our Lady was always somebody who I could approach because she, she to me she seemed more gentle um, she seemed, she was beautiful. And as I have discovered, beauty is, is one of the keys that unlocks my heart. Mm. Um, so I always had a, um, a devotion to Our Lady. And I remember, specifically remember um, praying after Mass. This is after Uluru and after going to America. And I was there in front of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, um, apologising, saying, I'm so sorry. I'm, all these years you've been right here and I have totally ignored you. Like, I'm, I'm really sorry. And a lady spoke directly to my heart and I, I heard in my heart, I didn't hear audibly, but in my heart she said, um, don't ever apologise. Be, um, because well, I said I was saying to, I was saying to our Lord, I'm sorry that I've ignored you and I've gone to your mother. And she said, he said, don't ever apologize for going to my mum because she'll always just bring you to me, and she is the one that brought you back to me. And I, there I was bawling my eyes out in the queue again and my kids were looking at me as if saying, what on earth? Here she goes. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I talk to um, the saints. I, there's that saying that saints don't choose, you don't choose a saint, they choose they you. They choose you, yes. And I, I just finished up teaching um, the confirmation classes to my parish and that the kids were all confirmed on the weekend and I chose St Bernadette because um, I don't even know why yeah. but as the years have gone on I you realize why they, they they have a special role in your life and I struggled at school primary school anyway just two weeks ago I was telling the kids at confirmation that you know what saints are patrons of what and yes. and one said who what does what's saint bernadette's patron at? what's she a patron of anyway i had to look it up because i hadn't looked it up she's the patron of of children that struggle at school really where's wow. her there you are <laughs> yes i thought huh. there you are she did choose you yeah oh beautiful isn't that, isn't that lovely but saint yeah. therese of lisieux yes yeah, she's, she's beautiful. Special. I love her um her signature message that everything is grace, everything is gift. So whatever ha is happening in our life, like there is a hidden gift in it 
And Mm -hmm. I think there's an invitation for all of us to ask the Holy Spirit, I guess, to open our eyes to what that gift is. Yeah. She's beautiful. I love her. And they're all there. They're all, they just want us to not use them, but invite them into our lives because they've got, they've got straight access. the, yeah. the highway to heaven, so to speak, we can use them to get our, uh, you know. Yes, the cloud of witnesses up. and <laughs> absolutely. And that veil between heaven and earth is so thin. Mm-hmm. It is so thin. Like I sometimes you can almost, in prayer, I can uh, feel feel them, that they're there. And that has taken a very long time. Um, but it is so thin. If people only knew how thin the veil between heaven and earth is, mm-hmm. we would be using their intercession a lot more uh, frequently. Absolutely. And and living our lives very differently in the everyday. Totally. Yeah. I think so. it's so easy to lose sight of that eternal perspective of mm-hmm. our lives. We get bogged down, don't we, in the, the frustrations and the difficulties of the everyday and mm-hmm. but we forget that we're actually pilgrims passing through this life we're not actually mm-hmm. made, made for here we're made for something else and the whole yeah. of our life is just this constant drawing towards heaven and, and I guess being conformed into Christ's image so yeah so beautiful it's the it's a whole change in perspective I think um I know do I have time to tell you this one last story yes yeah. Um, I this was another thing that kind of unlocked my heart a little bit more. I had read an article about this um, British um, art crit- critic, and um, he he's a very famous art critic. His name was is Robert Cummings, and he was one day. He tells the story that one day he was in the gallery, the National Gallery in London. And he was looking up at this enormous um, Renaissance painting of Mary and Jesus um, with the with two saints, Saint Dominic and Saint Jerome on either side. And he just he didn't like it. And he wasn't the only art critic who had made really um, bad comments about this artwork. And he just he said there was something about it that was really off. It just didn't, you know. The perspective was all wrong. So the mm. foreground and the colours and the saints on either side just looked like they didn't belong there and Mary's gaze was off-centre. Off and and he thought, I, I have to, I've got to get, because this guy is a Renaissance master. Yeah. His name is Filippino Lippi. And he said he, he had to have done something right. I just don't get the artwork. Can't see it. Yeah, he couldn't see it. And he stood there and he stood there for hours and this thought came to him that actually this artwork was probably never commissioned to be in an art gallery. This artwork was probably commissioned to be in a place of worship, Mm -hmm. in a place of prayer. And he says he did something that day that he's never done in his life. He said it was a busy day. He was in a suit. And he got down on his knees in front of this piece of art, art gallery in the in the middle of the art gallery. And he said he got down on his knees in in a posture of prayer, and he looked up, and he said, "It all made sense. Wow. The painting, the perspective of the painting changed. 
-hmm. and he realized that some things have to be seen through the lens of prayer yes and I thought yeah your life has to be seen through the lens of prayer through that posture of prayer Mm. and that to me kind of I want that I want to see my life through a different lens and the only lens that makes sense is through prayer Mm. so amen yeah yeah that was such so I pray Every day. Excellent. And and I think it's really also carving out time before the Blessed Sacrament. I know that's a really big discipline of yours, isn't it? But really fighting to get time before the Blessed Sacrament is so important. Yeah, it is. It is the source and summit of our faith. Mm. I have, if, if I don't get to the Blessed Sacrament, um, even if it's just for f- three minutes, I my day is out of whack. My day just doesn't doesn't seem right. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky enough that I can. The church is only like a five minute drive or twenty minute walk, but I do it every day. Just I have to put myself in the presence of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament because He changes everything. He does, and He changes us, doesn't He? In that yeah. moment, yeah. yeah. And that isn't what's that saying? Prayer. I used to think that prayer changed things, but now yeah. I know that prayer changes me and I change yeah. things. I think it's yeah. Mother Teresa. Yeah. Mother Teresa. Yeah, it's... it was her. Uh, she had her feast day this week. So I know. Yeah. I know. And I heard that beside every tabernacle is written in her um, convents and orphanages is um, I thirst. Mm. And she says, to the sisters they have when they go in the first thing they say is let me quench your thirst mm. and I thought how beautiful, that is so beautiful. we we quench his thirst by, by loving him he's thirsting for us as much as we're thirsting for him Amen. he thirsts for our love um Fantastic. I'll give it I'll give it to him oh, <laughs> I try Thank you so much. It's been so lovely having you joining us. And I really, I really hope and pray that that conversation is a blessing for women and that it really draws them, I guess, into deeper relationship with the Lord. Well, I hope that conversation with Jessica was helpful. She has so many pearls of wisdom to share with us as women in terms of just really growing in a spirit-led and a spirit-filled faith. And it's such a joy and privilege to be a fellow worker in the vineyard alongside this beautiful woman. Ladies, once again, as we wrap up today's episode, I really want to encourage you to start checking out our Catholic coaching programs for women and the Catholic Women's Masterclass. So if you're interested in any of those, once again, please visit the website www.geniusproject.co. Ladies, we look forward to seeing you back on the Genius Podcast again next week. Until then, have a beautiful week and God bless you.